Welcome to Market Scale Pro AV. I'm Sean Heath, and today I have an opportunity to have a conversation with Nyree Hollingsworth, the Director of Audiovisual Services for the Advisory Board Company. Nyree, how are you today? Good, Sean. Thanks for having me. I can't think of an industry outside of Pro AV that Pro AV is not making an impact on. Um, healthcare, building management, uh, sports and entertainment, technology. Pro AV is is part of everything. It It's a common thread which has, I guess, some pluses and some minuses. The minuses can be you've got so many options and so many other ways that the technology has been utilized that sometimes I I wonder if you feel overwhelmed when you think about Mm -hmm. starting a new project or new installation, you think, Oh, I saw this one cool thing or, Oh, these guys did this. (laughs) But on the plus side, you get to see all the amazing things that everybody else does. And you're not responsible for reinventing the wheel every time you need to come up with a solution. So first off, let's talk about your journey briefly uh, and your lifetime love of Pro-AV. Sure thing. So I started off uh, in this business actually when I was in elementary school, believe it or not, part of the AV club, you know, just shooting videos of our uh, award ceremonies and things of that nature. Um, in addition to that, my cousin was a DJ um, and I, I got to ride around with him and help, help him set up his audio equipment and things of that nature. So so from that early age, you know, I developed a, a passion for that I didn't really know was there. Um, and in college, I had an opportunity to manage audiovisual electronics at the Georgia Tech Student Center, Go Jackets, um, and got some very valuable experience there. And from there, um, you know, I had an investment banking firm, a recruiter reach out to me based on a resume I had online um, to uh for an audiovisual support technician position. And at the time, I'm fresh out of college, had no concept of corporate AV at, the, at that particular time. And, and in my mind, I was like, what does an investment banking firm need with an AV guy? Um, so I, I took the interview and, and walked around the office. And um, from that point, I was introduced to the world of corporate AV. Um, and, you know, it was a really exciting time because I, I at that moment, I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, and have been able to do that and 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 do very well in that in this business um, since then. Now you talk about um, having a uh, did you say your cousin, I think, was a DJ when you were young? Yes, um, so yes. you learned early on about working for free. Uh, have, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you're you're hauling amps and rolling cables, yep. and yeah. So you learned about uh, what's that? Called? I think that's called charity work. You learned about that early absolutely. on. Well, um, it, there are a lot of lessons that can be taken from all of the different environments that you worked in that all add up to a unique perspective in the environment you work in today. Now, having um. Having come out really as a as a pro AV sort of, uh, I want to say you were a an, not an intern but uh, a novice in pro AV, mm-hmm. but you were really thinking you know concerts or I'm going to work these large installations, and then all of a sudden you're working with an investment banking firm that seems like it would have maybe sidetracked you a little bit. Like you would have turned into a Brooks brothers wearing a suit, you know, (laughs) going to wall street and doing all that, but it didn't, you didn't get distracted by that. I want to, I want to know what is it about just the ability that you have to help companies create sort of a, an environment 
You're an environmentalist. Mm-hmm. You really create um, experiences. Talk to me about why that grabs your attention so much that you refuse to be distracted by any of the other opportunities that inevitably came across your path during your years in the industry? Oh, sure thing. Because, yeah, I definitely had some opportunities to do some other things while working for that investment banking firm. But, you know, my heartstrings always pull me back to AV. And the reason why is because, you know, I for some reason, I love connecting people. And I think it was that um, opportunity to enable environments, uh, specifically vis-a-vis video conferencing, but also, you know, within corporate meeting rooms and, and, and audio conferencing as well, to and allow people to connect to one another um, at a high quality, at a high level across any distance was, was something that has always excited me um, and continues to excite me to this day. Now, one of the the challenges that you face in creating these connections is how do you how do you blur the boundaries you know how do you create a a positive seamless sort of boundaryless interaction there are so many walls both figuratively and literally in in the av world that you have to navigate and mm-hmm. as uh, as cloud computing becomes uh, stronger and more prevalent as um AV over IP starts to take hold, that, that's really got to help make your job a heck of a lot easier. Oh, it absolutely does. And, you know, the way that you blur those boundaries is just by creating those quality experiences. I mean, you don't know how many times I, I was tell, I had a conversation with a manufacturer a few weeks ago where I broke it down to him. It's like basically uh, I would say about 60 percent of my job is begging for money. Um, and I'm, I'm out there asking for asking our uh, finance teams and asking our executives to approve projects and approve expenses that they may have n- don't quite 100 percent understand, but also may, you know, never had any experience with. But, you know, just being able to lay it out to people and say, hey, look, you know, by spending X, you know, you will ina- you will allow us to do this, that and the other. We can keep people off of airplanes. We can make it more comfortable for people to get this information out to our clients and also uh, allow uh, uh, create an environment where, where there are no boundaries for collaboration. So someone's got to be at home because their kid is sick. But there's a very important meeting. You know what? We can set it up so they can do that and it'll be just like they are in the room. But the only way we can enable these experiences, if, if we go with solution A, that might be a little bit more expensive as opposed to solution B, that it's just not going to cut the muster. You know, one of the really interesting sort of ironies of people with your skill set is you mentioned having to convince the 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 finance side of the intelligence or of the benefit of a potential project. And mm-hmm. that's sort of the reason they hire you is to be Absolutely. the person who can say, well, here's how we do this or here's how we can do that. They, they hire you for the things you know and the things that you can figure out. And mm-hmm. it's really weird that the one of the strongest parts of the pro-AV industry is not the technology. It's the people devising the uses that drive the innovations in technology. Absolutely. Well, so I have a saying that, you know, I so people ask me all the time. So you went to Georgia Tech. What did you study? Did you study in engineering? I'm like, no, I studied international affairs. Well, how does that apply to your day job? And I explain them very clearly. It's like, look, 
Computers do exactly what you tell them to do. It's the people that have to spend money on the computers and manage the computers and operate the computers um, and things of that nature. That's where the real problem lies. So a lot of what I do is actually not very technical in, in the strict sense of the word, but more diplomatic. And, and, you know, all of those soft skills that play into that are really those skills, you know, me, especially from a management standpoint, um, are skills that I employ every day. Because, like I said, I'm always asking people uh, to do things and convince them to do things that they may not fully understand. They don't really understand the language and, you know, have to overcome some of those those barriers as well um, and, and convince them that this is the right answer for the organization, you know, as we st- strategically implement this technology. Now, as a a prototypical Southern gentleman, your your personality and the way you interact with people really sets the tone for their confidence. And ultimately, that's what you're building. You are, you are building confidence in a client, in a solution that, as you mentioned, maybe isn't their strong suit. Maybe that's not in their wheelhouse. They don't know uh, as much about uh, the networking needs. They don't know as much about the bandwidth that they're going to have to have in order to support an idea that they want. They don't know enough about video conferencing or uh, the cloud. And your ability to to put a human face to that sort of nebulous computer uh, jargon. That's the, I mean, that's what seals the deal. That's what helps them. They, and so they have confidence in you, which again, brings me back to, that's the strongest point of the pro AV industry. Now, one of the things that pro AV is doing, and and we mentioned this is AV over IP, Mm -hmm. having that bandwidth, man, that is, that is the be all end all for, uh, long distance communication, whether it's Absolutely. video conferencing, uh, uh, you know, uh, desktop sharing, whatever protocols you're going to use. Do, do you see that? Where do you think we are in that, in that growth process of that particular concept of AV over IP? Where do you think we are in the life cycle? So if you were to, I like to put this in the context of, of maybe a human's uh, growth. Um, I think we've we've passed the birth phase and and are just starting to get out of the adolescent phase when we start to talk about AVR over IP, and we're starting to get into some of those rebellious teenage years where you know we're asking a lot of questions and we want a lot of things and we want a lot of things for reasons that we don't even quite understand quite just yet, um, and so that's where I see you know that particular technology uh, sits because you have on one side. Uh, and I hate to use this, but I'll use this for the sake of this conversation. But you have the AV industry on one side and you have the IT industry on the other side. Personally, I look at them as one in the same, but we'll get to that later. Um, so you have traditional AV guys that don't know anything about networking, don't understand systems or servers or computing or really don't understand, you, you really don't understand informatics all that well. Yet they're being inundated with products from manufacturers that are exclusively basically computer based and computers, a lot of software-based technology, and it's all riding over the network. Then you have the IT industry that knows nothing about signal transport, um, could care less about getting audio and video, and real-time communications, they really, really don't understand that. But your best effort is their best effort, and it's good enough for them. Um, and so bringing those two together, you know, I think is, is something that uh, over the next five years or so is going to be a challenge for all parties involved. 
However, you know, I don't I definitely don't think we're at the beginning stages of that conversation. That conversation has been happening for years. And right now that conversation is 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 starting to mature and getting to the point where, you know, it, it will be in its adult phase. And I would say about five years where it's no longer even a thought whether or not this these these devices or these products should be on the network. They just are. People don't even think about it anymore. And every and, and those people that. Uh, know how to use them and know how to manage them, know how to use them and manage them on the network. And, and that's just the way that the, the industry is going to be. Now, you mentioned that that is a challenge, the the imaginary divide between IT and AV and the mm-hmm. sort of the the process of having to bring those together so they realize they are both on the same team and they're you know right. working in conjunction. Is that the biggest challenge in the industry? or Or is there something else that's even more of a concern? Um, I would say that's part of a, a part of the biggest challenge. You know, that's that's more of a, in my opinion, a symptom more so than than the disease. I think we really uh, the biggest problem in the industry, as I see it, as someone that's that's responsible for hiring and retaining talent, is talent. I mean, we just don't have enough people in the business right now that know this stuff that appreciate it, that love it, and want to do it very, very well. Um, and I think, you know, going forward, we're going to have to get better at recruiting, you know, the kids out of high school um, and some and, and kids in college and making this a viable first choice career, as opposed to something that, you know, just most of all of us fell into, present company included. Um, you know, when we get to that point where, where kids are coming out of high school and saying, I want to be an AV technician, I want to be an installer, I want to be a project manager, um, and things like that, I think that's when we will have turned the corner and, like I said, made this a viable, made this a viable career choice, but also, you know, we'll send the, send the industry on a trajectory that, that is, that is, in my opinion, very limitless. Well, the generation of, of kids that are in middle school and high school now literally are the most digitally, technically advanced human beings Ever. Without a doubt. They are light years ahead of where I was when I was in middle school, and I was a tech nerd. I was building computers from scratch when I was in in middle school. And these kids are light years ahead, and it seems like they have an intuitive grasp of the technology. It's very weird that they have this innate knowledge. How, if you got to be, let's say, the superintendent of a school district, Mm -hmm. okay? For I'm, I'm going to give it to you for a year. Mm-hmm. You're a superintendent of a school district for a year. What sort of programs do you think you would want to put in place to help these already technically advanced students maybe find their footing and realize that AV is a career where they could really make a difference? What would you do? What sort of programs would you want to institute? Well, programs aren't the thing that I would first reach for. I would first reach for resources and and actually having technology in the classrooms that these kids can touch and feel and be exposed to, you know, at that age so that they develop a true appreciation for those products. I mean, you look at most schools, especially public schools out there, they they, they get the bottom of the barrel um, with with respect to this technology. Um, and oftentimes it's five, 10 years old and obsolete. And I think that is very much a disservice to those kids and, and something that definitely should be addressed at that level. In terms of programs, I mean, partnering with industry organizations, manufacturers, and things of that nature to develop some sort of 
uh, apprenticeship program, I think is a very good idea um, to, to allow kids, you know, to see that there, there, there are career opportunities and that there is a path if they so choose to, to make a living supporting, uh, implementing and, and managing these solutions in this technology. But I think that's, that's the, that's the horse, but the, that's the cart, but the horse is actually, you know, just having, having that technology. That's, that's the reason these kids are so far light years ahead of us because they're born with iPads. You know, they, they're they playing on iPads when they're you know, infants, you know, and, and able to use iPhones and, you know, all of this technology that we never even had, you know, until we got to adulthood. So that's how they understand it better. And it's that exposure and that uh, uh, immersion into that technology is what's, what's going to advance this further. And I say another thing, you know, as is what excites me about this industry and, and the future outlook and prospects is it are these kids that have grown up with this. Um, that prefer FaceTime over just a, a strict audio call. These are the people that are going to be, you know, our employees in, in 10, you know, five, 10 years or so. And so these employees, new employees are going to have different expectations. And all of those expectations are going to center around, you know, what kind of collaborative communications technology do you, do you have available to you? Well, I find probably... An additional point of optimism is as technology evolves, it also becomes cheaper. And as the price goes down, the availability goes up. And as you mentioned, the more classrooms we can get the best technology into, not the bottom of the barrel, but the best technology in the hands of this next generation, I think the better off we're all going to be. Absolutely. 100% agree. I, I do have to say, though, I don't know about them being our employees, Nairi. I think they might wind up being our bosses. So we probably need to make sure that we're nice to them as they're climbing that ladder, right? Absolutely, 100%. I mean, I look at my kids every day and, you know, they, they you know marvel at the things that they are able to do and the things that they have access to. And just, you know, I just can't imagine the future world that they are, they're going to live in. It's just quite fascinating. I'm not going to lie. If my daughter ever becomes my boss and she's a teenager now, I'm in trouble because payback is going to suck. <laughs> there's, there's still time to turn that ship around, Sean. I'm doing my best, man. Every single day, I, you know, you just got to be nice. You have to be nice. That's the, that's the cardinal rule every single day. Just be nice to everybody because you never know when they might become your boss. Absolutely. 100% agree, my friend. Today, I have had the pleasure of having a conversation with Nairi Hollingsworth. He is the Director of Audiovisual Services for the Advisory Board Company. Nairi, thanks so much for taking time today. This has really been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Sean. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries. 